With COVID-19 bombarding the globe in 2020 and Melbourne having one of the longest lockdown periods the world has seen, Melbourne has seen more people than usual seriously consider a move closer to family interstate or overseas. As much as we think we know what is required for buying and selling property in Victoria, there could be some small differences that could make or break your sale when buying interstate. Today, we are going to find out what are the legal differences when buying property interstate. You're listening to Real Estate Right. Top experts talk about how to buy, sell, rent and invest right. Your host is Sue Langda. Real Estate Right is excited to come back for another year with bigger guests, more exciting topics and a real estate year that will be bigger and better than ever before. Get in the know now with all you need to do to prepare yourself for buying, selling, investing and renting with confidence by downloading the Real Estate Right podcast now. Founding owner of KLM Conveyancing, Kiani Mills has created a unique and successful conveyancing service with offices in Victoria, New South Wales and Queensland. Kiani started her business seven years ago while single-handedly raising two young children, building her reputation through drive, determination, trust and accountability to the business it is today. Member of the Year at BNI, a global networking group in 2019, Kiani is here today to talk to us about buying property interstate and how to understand the different conveyancing needs. Welcome, Kiani. How are you? Good, thank you. Thank you for having me. That's okay. So, Kiani, how did you get into conveyancing? Well, at school, um, there wasn't many things that I enjoyed about school, but one of the things I did enjoy was legal studies. Okay. So, I one class that I went to and enjoyed thoroughly, so I went, all right, I'm going to pursue this. Um, I didn't finish high school but I knew that I had a very, very, very strong work ethic. So as soon as I finished um, my year 12 exams, I sent out about 100 resumes to every single law firm I could possibly find online and ended up getting a job working in a law my way through um, until I fell into family law. Yeah. And from family law, I realised that I was way too emotional. Oh, that would be hard. Yeah, I really, I really struggled to separate myself from some of the terrible things that we were experiencing and managing as, um, as the lawyers. And so I went, okay, I can't do this anymore. So I moved into the property area and fell in love with it. So it wasn't, yeah. while it's still emotional, it's so process driven. It's, there's A, there's B, there's the goalpost. Yeah, things might happen, but we can manage and manipulate through the way. So it's fine. And the emotions that are coming back are generally, thank you so much. I've just bought my my first house or my dream house. Yeah. I've just sold a house and I've got money. Like it's a really positive experience. So um yeah. yeah, I spent a lot of time working in major law firms, learning every area of property law that I could from off the plan developments, acquisitions, owners corporation, everything. Um, yeah. Conveyancing was always the the fundamental piece. So now, have you ever bought a property interstate yourself? I have not, and I'm very excited to do so. I'm working with an investment company at the moment to buy a property up in Queensland. 
Oh, very exciting. So it's in the process. I know I'm getting to learn it from both sides, which is great. (laughs) Yeah, awesome. So what are the biggest barriers people need to consider when buying interstate? Oh, look, I mean, there's a whole array of things that people need to think about. And I guess I'm, I'm speaking to a lot of clients at the moment about exactly this because we do have people that are upping and moving from Victoria to predominantly Queensland, funnily enough. Um, and it starts as simply as having a look at your current setup with whether you own a house in Victoria and you're buying in Queensland There's two transactions there that need to be dealt with quite differently. But in most people's circumstances, the loan on the sale property that they're going to sell in Victoria, they need that money to purchase in Queensland. So the transaction needs to be what they call a simultaneous settlement. So money can be transferred from one to another. Or if your circumstances allow, you need to go in and get a bridging loan. So depending on the process as it goes, Um, that may change the transaction and then the the fundamentals of going, all right, so if I have to move out of my sale house on Friday and then move interstate, then comes the practicality around removalists, insurance, how we're going to physically do this, um, the timing that it takes to be able to go from one to another. Um, A lot of the times too, I mean, we transfer people's, council rates, water rates and owners corporation slash body corporate, but even little things down to connecting the gas and electricity and telephone so that when you do pick up and move everything from one state to the next, you get there and you've got electricity to move into your house. Collecting the keys from the agent's office when you do land in Queensland and whether or not there's going to be a buffer time between the two, whether, say, mum and the kids move up the week before so that they're ready on the day of settlement. One of the fantastic things that we can do as well is we can negotiate. uh, Everything in this world is negotiable, but we can negotiate on either transaction to either have the sale property for a week or so later than settlement and pay some rent to the, to the new owners, just so that, or with the Queensland side, maybe negotiate to move in a week earlier so that we've got, that practicality of not having Mm. to pack everything up from one place, go and stay in a hotel or vice versa. So it's the real kind of, it's the little things that you don't really think about. Um, I mean, we move, we move around the state all of the time, but moving into a bit more of a big deal. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. So now we have a listener question. Uh, Elizabeth bought an apartment in Queensland, sight unseen and she bought it as an investment with great rental returns. When she went up there to see if she had purchased it, the apartment wasn't quite what she thought it would be and the returns weren't there with the agent going a little bit AWOL. How can buyers ensure that they don't get caught either with shonky deals or uncertainty in a different state's legislation? Yeah, that's a tricky one. Um, Queensland drew things very backwards to Victoria. Um, Victoria, yeah. it's... We get all of, you know, it's the vendor's due diligence and responsibility to give us all of the information. And in Victoria, Mm -hmm. we need to be able to inspect the property first um, or at least waive our rights to inspecting it. Whereas in Queensland, Mm -hmm. when you signed a contract in Queensland, it's up to the purchaser to do their due diligence. So what I would have recommended is to get um, a a representative on the ground and I would suggest a buyer's advocate to be able to be there in order to work with us. So our due diligence that we do for the customer and the client looks around 
the relevant documents, the approvals, having a look at the rates, having a look at any works. Are there owners corporate? It's an apartment, so there's a body corporate. Let's have a look at the body corporate fees. But we don't physically go and inspect the property and see it. So buyer's advocates, and I'm a big, big advocate for buyer's advocates or buyer's agents as they're known, but this is where a buyer's agent would have been the critical person in this process because they would have inspected the property, they would have done their due diligence in terms of the value of the property and the rental returns, and then when Mm. they looked at that and assessed it based on, so you get a due diligence period too, they would have been able to identify really quickly, no, this is not a sound investment and you shouldn't purchase it or be able to manage manage the expectations of what it was that they were buying and that maybe it wasn't in the yeah. best area and that there's a lot of different um, inspect the property, um, it would have been a totally yeah. different process for them. So get that third party involved where possible. Yeah. So does that mean that the Queensland people don't do a Section 32 as such? or? Mm. So there's no, there's no vendor section 32? Yeah, no. So in Queensland, you legally don't even have to provide a copy of a title search. Wow. Whereas as, yeah, I do Queensland, we've got a Queensland contract, we're doing, we do them all the time. We do put in a copy of the title, a copy of the plan, the rates notices, and if there is a body corporate, the body corporate certificate. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, we're, again, we're, we're used to Victorian ways where we do try and help the seller sell the property by giving the purchaser, you know, at least a little bit of information. Um, People are a lot less likely to sign a contract. And in Queensland, it's normal. You sign a contract, then you do the work. So, but it's, it's easier for someone to be shocked and surprised and pull out of that property. Whereas if we give them the documents straight up and go, we've got nothing to hide. Here they Mm. are. They're more likely to go ahead and sign and stay in that, in that contract. And how's New South Wales with with it? Do they provide vendor statements or or Section Thirty Twos or or not? Yeah, look, New South Wales is a lot more similar to Victoria, whereas they need to provide. So they call it a due diligence statement, yeah. and it's um it's a lot more in line with the way that we do okay. things. So we're a lot more similar. Um, there's still cooling off periods yeah. involved for both, so people can change their minds, but. It is more around the vendor having to provide more information than less. Yeah, fair enough. Who's the best person to go through an interstate contract of sale before you purchase a property interstate? So obviously we need a buyer's advocate and we need, um, if we're buying in Queensland, but at the same time, you know, a conveyancing service like yours would be really ideal for um, somebody who's unsure. Anywhere, honestly, if you're going to sign a contract of sale, whether it's Victoria, New South Wales, Queensland, anywhere in the whole of Australia, Always get someone to look at it first. Even though in Queensland you buy the contract first, then do the work, there's still things that we can determine for you or have a conversation with you. Like in New South Wales, there's no such thing as um, subject to finance. Oh, really? But when we've got clients buying in New South Wales, they have no idea. So they're used to the Victorian rules. So they go, oh, I'm just going to make it subject to finance. I'm going to sign the contract. And we say, no, no, you can't. You need to get your finance to a point where it's ready to go so that when you do sign the contract, you can move on to finance because we can't help you. So having that conveyancer review or lawyer review or solicitor review, whichever way they want to do it, it's really important to do it before you sign anything. Mm-hmm. Personally, if I would use it for me, then I advocate it for all of my clients as well. Yeah, okay. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So we will have a short break and come back with more from Kiani Mills from KLM Conveyancing. Mm-hmm. 
So you're listening to Real Estate Right. I'm Sue Langada and I'm on today with Kiani Mills from KLM Conveyancing and we are talking about the legal differences in buying property interstate. So how do we know if there's any illegal building works on the property that we're considering to buy? Yeah, illegal building works is almost like a naughty word in our industry and it's a real grey area. As I said earlier, to me, the process is black and white, but it's actually not. There's a couple of things in um, in, a, in a purchase of a property that there's, there's, there's no way we can find out. I mean, the, these works that are being done are illegal for a reason yeah. and they're illegal because they haven't got a paper trail. There's no plans. There's no permits. There's no registered builder. There's no insurance. Yeah. There's no certainty that the works have been done compliantly. So one of the things that I think is really important, again, this is where if we go back to our scenario earlier about someone buying interstate sight unseen, yeah. we need to have eyes and ears on the ground because the, no documents that I get are going to disclose illegal works no realestate.com photos are going to identify illegal works mm-hmm. and there's not anything that I can do search or see that is going to give me the information I need, you know, from a chair in an office yeah. somewhere in Australia. But if we've got someone on the ground or even the clients, and this is where I really, really train my clients around when you go and do that really thorough inspection before you sign that contract, have a look at the state of the house, have a look at the outside. If that deck looks like it's pretty pretty darn new, ask the question, when was the deck built? Yeah. If the shed looks like there's a brand new shed in the back corner, it's a whiz-bang shed, ask the question. The only way that we know is by seeing something, yeah. identifying it and asking the question. Um, that we're not always going to be able to find out either. We're not going to be able to uncover everything. But if there is reason to believe that there is something wrong or something may have been built earlier or more recently than the building, then in all instances I advocate for getting a building and pest inspection anyway, but specifically in these scenarios because and also to really be careful who you choose as your building inspector because not every building inspector has been a registered builder. So in my personal opinion, I will only recommend my clients use previously registered builders mm-hmm. who have then to a building inspector. So they've got the actual structural knowledge of how a building is built. Now I know that building inspectors learn these things and there is definitely, you know, an element of textbook theory that goes on, but nothing beats hands-on experience. So when you've got a building inspector who goes out and inspects the property, um, their eyes, their trained eyes can tell you, you'd identify an illegal building structure. Mm-hmm. There's two the client's got either number one we don't proceed um because obviously we will have well, i'm hoping that we will have gone down the route of asking the questions of provide me the legal documentation mm. um if we don't get that documentation and we do buy the property anyway there's no limit like time limit on when the council can come and serve a notice on the property for illegal works or an illegal structure and that becomes the purchaser's responsibility yeah so it's really important that if we do identify it, we identify it start and the options are do not proceed or we negotiate with that purchase price to protect you against a little bit of a loss in costs if the building in the yeah. does come and knock on the door. Um, yeah. There's this amazing insurance policy called title insurance as well. Mm-hmm. Title insurance will only protect you against the unknown. 
So if we identify an illegal structure and it's in a building report and we buy it anyway, title insurance can't help us. But if we yeah. have no way of knowing the, the vendor, vendor goes, no, I didn't do any works, no. And it protects the client against unknown building works that they could not have physically found out before. So if you've yeah. got any concerns or queries, um, definitely speak to your conveyancer about title insurance. Yeah. Definitely. So what extra things do we need to consider legally when buying into state? Is there any other legal things that um, we should consider? I think we've covered a lot already. No, it's really, it's really the, the main thing is the professionals that you use. Because you can't be in two places yeah. at once and if we are restricted in our travel and things like that, get someone on the ground, get a recommendation from either a, the conveyancer or from the agent and have a building inspection done, have um, the strata report inspection done, have a buyer's advocate as well, pay the extra money to get the protection so that you don't end up regretting it later. Yeah. So how much would the title insurance be? Is it expensive or not? Title insurance is based on the value of the properties yeah. all the way through to the day you sell the property. So even if when you go to sell it and a potential purchaser brings up something, you can still call in on the title insurance and you're protected. Yeah. Cool. So do you have any interesting stories that you'd like to tell? Oh my gosh. There's so many stories. Um, there's, uh, okay. I have one story, which was, you know, and there's not many times where things really don't go to plan. Everything. Yeah. As I said, it, someone's selling a house because they want to sell a house. Someone's buying a house because they want to buy a house. The end goal is the same. It really doesn't um, deviate too much through the process. If if there's damage to the property, then yes, things can deviate. When we went and did the final inspection seven days before settlement, and as she was leaving the property, this woman comes screaming down the street going, get out of my house, get out of my house. You're not there with the agent. And the agent comes, All right, you go, I'll deal with this. Turns out it was the vendor. And the reason she was selling was because the bank was threatening to take, take control of her house because she wasn't making loan repayments. Mm. And she didn't want to leave. You really didn't want to leave yeah. this poor thing. So it was quite emotional to watch that happen. But my clients are like, we've got removalist trucks booked. Our whole house is packed up because we were selling and buying at the same time. Yeah. And it was a really, we had to end up getting an injunction to get her to pack her belongings and adhere to the contract of sale and leave. And that was probably the most extreme circumstance I've ever had of not someone really not wanting to leave their property. And, you know, it ended up working out well in the end, but yeah, that, that, I've never seen that happen before. No. That absolutely astonished me. Yeah. Astonished me. I can imagine. I'll, I think the worst yeah. I've seen in terms of houses that needed to be fixed because, it, again, it went into foreclosure. Somebody, I'm not sure if it was the, the wife or the husband, um, basically spray-painted big red words all over the board, um, sorry, over the walls, saying, you cheating bastard or you cheating, you know, or something like that. And I, I walked in there to do the copy and um, the painter was trying to get rid of the paint, but it was like, it was so red that he had to do like six layers before he could, he wouldn't see it again. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. <laughs> anyway, it was a family. Okay. Well, so thanks so much for giving us a little bit more uh, insight into buying property interstate. I'm sure all those who are looking to make the change are so much more prepared now by listening to your expertise. So do you have any special offers for real estate right listeners? 
Yeah, absolutely. I would love to offer any client referral recommendation, anyone that comes through our doors that mentions real estate, right? 15% off our services. That's great. Thank you so much. We will put all those details up on our website and also um, in our um, social media. So, yeah, stay tuned for that. I forgot to mention yeah. that um, I do do a lot of um, guest appearances, public speaking, if you would ever want an expert on a panel yeah. um, to speak about commanding, whether it's Victoria, New South Wales, Queensland or legislation in itself, yeah. I'm more than happy to offer you a free service for listeners too. Beautiful. Thanks. Um, so how can listeners get in touch with you? Well, we are quite active on social media. So KLM Conveyancing on LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram. Yep. Otherwise, you can email me direct at Kiani at KLM Conveyancing. Beautiful. So thanks again, Kiani. We will have your details in the show notes. Next week, we will have Sophie Lyon, Director of the REIV and Partner at Jealous Craig Borandara to talk to us about how to appeal to your landlord or agent when you really want that lease. It's the perfect topic prior to Christmas when people want to move before the new school year starts. So don't miss it. Real Estate Right is a real copyright production hosted, written and produced by Sue Langada. I would like to thank Podbean for hosting our podcast, Premium Beat for our theme music, Zoom for our video link, Francis Morello for his voiceover, and Audio Stock for sound effects. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review Real Estate Right on your favourite podcast platform. And if you would like to ask one of our experts a question on the podcast, email your questions to sue at realestateright.com.au. Thanks for listening to Real Estate Right.